0: Good morning and welcome to Five Alive. It is another beautiful day here in Chandigarh Mahali. And we're going to start today with the reading of the scriptures found in the book of John chapter 8. We're going to read 38 through 59. The uh, uh, We're going to split up the reading. And so
1: Xavier, Fuel will lead us off there with John chapter 8, verse 38. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your fathers did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God.
2: The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Uh Yes, Mallory. Uh
3: how did Jesus hit himself?
0: Hid hid himself, hid? yes. Jesus hid himself like hiding. Because it was a large crowd of people. A large crowd of people were getting ready to throw rocks at him and kill him. And so he hid himself from them, and they could not find him to stone him and kill him. Because it wasn't yet time for him to die. Even though he's talking about death in this passage of scripture and he's talking about everlasting life and resurrection life in this moment, he uh is not time for him to die. It wasn't the way he was supposed to die, in accordance with God's will, and so he all of a sudden just disappeared and they couldn't find him anymore. It's a miracle.
1: Yeah. We could rationalize it and say he hid amongst the crowd and disappeared, that way nobody could find him, but also it could be said that he turned invisible. Correct.
0: Very good question. High five. We used to sing this song in VBS called Father Abraham. And uh, it went like this, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you, and let's just praise the Lord. And it was an action song, so we would say right arm, and you'd have to start swinging your right arm, and then it was your left arm, then it was your right foot, and your left foot, and next thing you knew, as you were singing the song and repeating that, Father Abraham had many sons portion over and over and over again. Next thing you knew, you were dancing, you were giggling, you were laughing. It was a very fun song, and yet this is something very serious of what Jesus is talking about here, and I, I just find it fascinating that he would bring up the fact of the heritage of the people whom he's speaking with in this moment. He's bringing it up to express to them the importance of eternal life. He's also doing it to express the importance of the history of where we come from, the importance of who our father is, who our grandfather is. He's showing us what that commandment, the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments says, honor your father and mother. And he's showing us that in a way that Hadn't been expressed to the Jews before. And it made me think, as I was reading this passage and preparing this week, it made me think of a time when I was a young man. I was 16 years old. I had not lived with my dad for about five years. And as a result of that uh, detachment from my dad, and I would see him like on summers. Uh, When I would travel to see him, but for about five years, I did not live with my dad because he was in Tennessee and I was in Florida. My parents were divorced and um, I decided to move in with my dad at 16 years of age. And that summer I radically changed my life because I decided to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I moved to Tennessee and all of the social climate, the structure of the way things were in Tennessee was not the way things were where I was From What I thought was my only identity was that of basketball. And yet basketball was kind of taken away from me because I had broken my arm earlier the year before uh, on my shooting arm. And also when I moved to Tennessee, I injured my ankle, uh, tearing two ligaments in my foot. And this caused me to have a setback. However, Christ revealed himself to me deeper and deeper and deeper and I loved him for that, and I read the Bible, and I read his word, and I became very dedicated to my church. The church was under construction at the time. They were building a new sanctuary for everybody to worship in on Sundays and Wednesdays and any other time for prayer, and it was at the scratch, the very beginning of construction, and I got to be a part of that. So I would go to school, I would wake up, I would go to school, I would come home in the evening, uh, actually I would have the bus drop me off at the church and I would begin working on the church with people who had been working all day and we would work on into the evening. And in the evenings, ladies of the church who weren't working on the church building themselves would bring dinner for us. And I can recall a very vivid memory during one of those dinners weeks into this construction work. And it was a man said started saying, Oh my goodness, you sit like your dad. And another guy goes, he sits like his dad. Are you kidding? Have you seen the way he walks? And another guy says, did you see the way he hand- handles his hands? He is exactly just like his dad. You are so similar to your dad. And you know what's really funny is, is when you take measurements in order to cut a piece of wood, Or in order to uh, hang a piece of drywall or in order to do something and you write it down on a piece of paper or you write it down on a two by four or whatever you have access to, your numbers, I can't tell the difference between your numbers and your handwriting from your dad's. So these were things that I developed by being a son of my father. And even though we had not spent many years together, they were still character traits that were in me. And that's exactly where Jesus is coming from in this passage of scripture when he says that uh, you do the works of your father and I do the works of my father. And I just want to ask you a quick question. What does that mean to you that uh, when Jesus says you are living like your father? What what do you think about when he says that?
3: Never had that asked by me. Because only people say I look like my mother or I'm like my sister. And only one time I was so surprised. People said, I look like my brother. Oh, okay. A strange.
0: It was strange? But yeah. they identify you with your family, right?
3: Yeah. Except for you.
0: Except for me. Okay. Any other thoughts?
2: Yeah, when Xavier was born, he was a spitting image of you. I mean, his baby picture is a spitting image of your baby picture. And a lot of his mannerisms are a lot like yours not that face that you just made right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the way you guys laugh and your funny jokes that only you guys find funny and you both laugh at your own jokes, it's hilarious. It's
1: cuz the joke's funny.
0: It's cuz right. the, joke, Cause is the funny. joke is funny.
2: <laughs> so it's on you.
1: And they're not all bad jokes. No, they're not all bad. <laughs> just takes someone to get them. That's right. Yeah, they're at the, right have have the same caliber of <laughs> either. <laughs> exactly.
2: Did you say bad jokes or bad, bad jokes? Both.
0: Both.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. that's funny. But it doesn't bother me whenever people compare me to my father or you specifically. Okay. But it's just that I hear in this passage it's the Jews don't understand who Jesus is referring to. Because at this time, he knows they are in sin, but they think they're holy. And they think they're descendants of Abraham. And if we're not descendants of Abraham, then we're descendants of God. And he's like, no, I'm from God. You're not from God because you would have known who I am. And because of their speculation of who he was, and when he's telling the truth, nobody believed him because they lie. And I, I mean, I find that interesting whenever he does say that because even sometimes whenever I'm telling the truth but in I'm in amongst a group of people that do lie pretty consistently or so I don't know if they do but like if I do tell the truth and they hear me say something they're like oh no you're lying and they're automatically think I'm not telling the truth because I am telling the truth and it's kind of frustrating
0: but, but their their attitude or their um, persona is so filled with deceit that yeah. they automatically uh, place that same attribute on others of I lie, so therefore this person obviously yeah. is a liar too.
1: And so within that, I do not want to be like the father Jesus is talking about, the devil, but I'd rather be more acquainted with my heavenly father, and through that we can only do that through Christ. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah,
0: you're exactly right. Because he is the one that brings us into adoption. So we are then called sons of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, as a teenager, I I didn't like the identif- identifiers of you're just like your dad, because all I saw were the negative attributes of my dad. And yeah. it might have just been one of those like rebellious things. Uh, it might've been one of those teenagehood things of I'm my own person and nobody's going to tell me. And there's a lot of things that we can put there. However, as I've grown into maturity, as I've grown into adulthood, I can see certain attributes of my dad, certain character traits that I do like about my father. And I'm just going to mention those things, especially if dad, you're listening, these are things that I really like about you. And that is that he's friendly to everyone. My dad can go almost anywhere and he makes a friend or he knows somebody even to the point where they may not know him uh he's still like oh i remember you from last time and he just continues on these conversations with people um almost anywhere and everywhere he goes and my dad tries really hard to always have a smile on his face and it's not always just because he's um like happy but i believe especially within the past several years past 20, 30, 40 years, it's because of the joy of the Lord that's speaking through my dad, because my dad did come to faith in Christ. And so he smiles a lot. And I think a lot of that is just a reflection of joy um, inside of him. My dad prays. I've seen my dad uh, start praying at night uh, when I was growing up and I go to bed and I will wake up in the middle of the night and go get a glass of water or have to go to the bathroom. This was a long time ago when I was a teenager and my dad would still be out in the, in the front room sitting in his chair. He may have fallen asleep a couple of times by then or whatever, but I could see him praying uh, and reading books. I've noticed that he will sometimes when he's with us as a family, he walks around and he prays even as he's just walking around, like say the airport with us, or as we go out to a park or as we've gone out to the zoo or just any kind of family outing we've had with my dad, I noticed that he, he enjoys praying. He prays over my children. And I just think that that's really an admirable trait. And then, uh, one more, just to not keep the list too long is, is that my dad's really good with hands. He always said, I am a, uh, Jack of all trades and master of none. However, uh, as a joke kind of a thing, but however, I've noticed my dad is good with his hands. He did air conditioning repair. He's done refrigeration repair. He's built his own house. And yes, at times he has had to request other people to help him, but with his own hands, he has, he has created a, a house for him and his wife right now. And those are really cool traits as a result I think that's exactly what jesus is doing when he's pointing out the israelites you say your father's abraham but if your father was abraham you would have his attributes you would have his character and i thought about that and i thought you know there are some bad things that abraham did we can read about that in the book of genesis we can see there were a couple of things that were not attributes that we would want to carry on they weren't necessarily even godly attributes however in the book of hebrews the book of hebrews says that it's by abraham's faith that it was credited to him as righteousness and so the faith of abraham jesus is saying is lacking in the israelites in this moment there will he sacrificed his own son isaac uh was willing to anyways and he didn't murder isaac and you can read about this in the book of genesis however abraham was willing to sacrifice if god said sacrifice your son Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son in order to follow God. And that's an attribute Jesus is saying, if you knew me, you would know my father. He was a good financial steward. Abraham gave 10% of his wealth to the king of Salem, King Melchizedek. And as a result, Jesus is saying, are you giving your 10%? Are you giving your tithe? Are you giving your everything to God? because Abraham was a good financial steward. Abraham trusted God because God said in Genesis chapter 12, follow me, I'll take you to a place that you know not of. And Abraham was willing to follow him in the wilderness and eventually arrive where God led him to. Abraham listened to God. In other words, when he was praying, it wasn't just a prayer of This is all about me, but it was also a prayer, uh, uh, a conversation between him and God. And we can even see a result of that when uh, right before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, when God comes down in the flesh and he speaks with Abraham and Abraham has a whole conversation with God and even asks God if if there's a hundred men in Sodom. Do not, and Gomorrah, do not destroy it. And he says, okay, for a hundred men, I won't do it. If there are 50 righteous men, don't destroy it. He says, okay, I won't. And Abraham keeps on going uh, through this list because he can talk with God and he can listen to God. And I find this, these attributes fascinating because this is what Jesus is trying to pull out of the Israelites saying, if Abraham was your father, then these are the things that you would have learned from his life, from his lifestyle. And these are the things that you would apply to your life in verse 44 uh, in our second point with the devil and he says the devil is your father and look at these attributes that he brings out and they are things that we don't always really talk about when it comes to who the devil is or who the father of lies is and what I see as far as attributes here and and you guys go ahead and and jump in here with any attributes you see of what Jesus is saying in verse 44 of their of, of their father the devil he says he's a murderer. I mean, that's one that stands out right there. He was a murderer from the beginning is what Jesus says. Um, and, and you as a liken of, of your father, the devil also murder. And he even is foreshadowing the fact that they're going to murder him. You're murderers. You've murdered the prophets of old because that's what the Israelites did. You murdered them just like the devil is desiring to murder God out of the scenario. Um, you don't stand for truth, but tr- you make truth fit your scenario or your lifestyle or your habits. I can't help it, I was born this way. It's a big habit that we try and throw out there. I can't help it if God created me this way. We say those kinds of things, trying to make our truth become God's truth. And Jesus is saying, that's not truth at all. What you're doing is, is you're a lying, you're a manipulator. And you're following nobody but the devil who is the father of all lies. And he also brings up the fact that the devil had a great pride and the men and women that he's speaking with here have a massive pride. And Jesus is pointing out these character traits that he sees within his people. And he's saying, don't fall by the wayside and allow these to become the norms of your life. Instead, renew your mind. Renew your life. Allow me to forgive you and wash away your sins and be obedient to my word. And that's what Jesus is specifically asking the people to do. Um, Or at least that's what comes to my mind when I'm reading this passage of Scripture. Do you guys have any thoughts along these lines?
2: When being raised up under a mom or dad or grandma, grandpa, however you were raised, and when truth isn't spoken in the home, and you're not allowed to question the authority that's over you, and then one day you discover that, oh my goodness, these my guardians that were over me were lying to me this whole time. Kind of like the whole Christmas, when it comes to Christmas. Okay. You know, is, is Santa Claus for real, or is he not for real? Well, we do know that there was a Saint Nick, mm-hmm. and he brought good to people, but if I've been really good all year long, is Saint Nicholas gonna come and visit me, and is Saint Nicholas is he a ghost now, because this was a story that was passed down from generation to generation, right. and I don't want a ghost to bring me my my you know my gifts for being good, so therefore, as you get older, you discover, is that a lie? Is it not a lie? elf on the shelf. elf on the shelf did elf really make all the bad things that happen inside of the house did he really leave you know baby powder footprints all over everywhere (laughs) and we go oh it was the naughty elf on the shelf we're lying right that's a lie right and then we can say oh but that's a good prank oh that's in good fun so deciphering what is a lie and what isn't You know, is Jesus a lie or is he not? And the only way you can discover is through reading God's word. Yes. I mean, because we look, as a human being, you look so hard at trying to think, oh, it's going to come from this human being. It's going to come from this man or it's going to come from this woman or it's going to come from this, this song or yeah, or whatever, whatever it may come from. And we put so much of our hope and our trust, and we may do it for years. It may be five years that we buy into that person or we buy into that song or we buy into that belief. And it's like you have like an awakening sort of. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe I should pull back out the scriptures. Maybe I should pull back out the Holy Bible and and read it Mm -hmm. and discover Christ Jesus for who he is. Put, you know, everything I've heard or everything I've listened or everything that was told to me to the side and read the scriptures for the scriptures for myself.
0: Yeah, that's good.
2: And allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me through the questions that I have and to sit there and to meditate on the word and the principles of. And then if I have questions... May I be shown the right person to go to with those questions and the leading and guiding and direction of hmm. one that's not going to shame me and be like, oh, my goodness, you've done this all wrong, you know, but truly hold on to those morals that Christ Jesus has instilled in in one. When we had little ones and they would try to stick their little fingers on a hot light bulb, if you put your hand on that light bulb, it's going to be hot. Hot, yes, hot, hot. Like, and then they will go to reach for that light bulb, and it's like, no, 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 don't touch that light bulb. Hot, 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 hot. And then you're maybe I know one day for me I was cooking for sure. Yeah. And the next thing I hear, hot, and I was like, oh, they touched the light bulb. <laughs> 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 and I and I come to their rescue, and. And they were like, hot mommy, hot mommy, owie, owie, hot mommy, hot. And then they just start crying and like, not touch, not touch, yeah. not touch. And then they just start crying because they were like, they feel so bad on the inside because they knew it was hot, but they didn't know how hot. And then they found out how hot it was. So there's sometimes in life that we, ha- we discover, you know, why is that a lie?
0: Or even just the father of lies, the devil, the father of lies, the pride, the murder. She's using, mommy's using lies right now as manipulation tactics of people in order to get their rights or their way or I proved you wrong. So therefore I'm obviously uh, the one in the truth right now. And Jesus isn't trying to label things in that respect. Right. We do that. right? And Jesus says, when you're trying to label things in that respect, you're just speaking like your father, who is the devil, who is the father of lies. Go ahead.
3: Um, I know when I was a little kid, I used to believe in the tooth fairy. Okay. And I was like, when I was seven years old, my I lost my tooth and I put it underneath the pillow because I didn't have my pouch thing, and so then I figured out because like I was waking up at that point in time and my mom had her hand underneath my pillow <laughs> and then I saw the money I was like the tooth fairy's is not real what it's just my parents mm-hmm. and so I didn't know
0: Well, and it's funny that you say that because with all of you, none of you we raised to believe in the tooth fairy, but we did give you like a pillow that you could put your tooth in Mm -hmm. and we would exchange it for money. But I can remember specifically with you, Mallory, uh, we would always forget to even do anything (laughs) and we would be like we would be like uh well there's no such thing as a tooth fairy anyways valerie and this was from the time you first lost your first tooth like say four or five years old and you were like no there is such a thing as a tooth fairy they just didn't come today and we'd be like We're telling you flat out that there's no such thing, but you
2: believe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But your belief that there was a tooth fairy was so strong, and it wasn't even because we were telling you to believe in it. It was just something that you wanted to do, and that's a great representation, Mallory, a great example of how we can deceive our own selves Mm -hmm. into believing something that's not true and making it a truth.
1: Yeah, because that even, one of my favorite Narnia books is Uh the. It wasn't, it's in the, when you read the series, it's the first one, but it was written later on, right? It weren't written in chronological order, right? But the magician's nephew, and at the end, the magician is brought into the land, which will become Narnia and in the land of Narnia, all the animals can talk, but the magician that was brought into Narnia didn't want to believe that they could talk at mm-hmm. all. He, the animals were trying to be friendly with them, talk to them and be like, Hey, what's going on? Why are you here? And all this other stuff but he didn't want to, and there were bears and bulldogs and lions and all these other animals that where he was from, they're scary. And so with that, he convinced himself that these animals weren't talking to him, but they were like real animals and they were wild and they were running after him. So he ran away from them and they wanted to get to know him. So they chased after him, trying to talk him and calm him down. But all he could hear was the barking and the roars and the calls after him and he was frightened for his life whenever in truth they wanted to be there for him
0: yeah yeah and And he deceived
1: himself to the point where he was he couldn't do anything
0: right and that's what lewis is trying to bring out in the chronicles narnia or specifically in the magician's nephew is this exact point of we will follow what we hold to be true even to the point of almost death yeah and yet reality all around us is saying, this isn't the truth. And is screaming at us. This isn't the truth. Jesus is very patient with the disciples and with the Israelites here going, this isn't the truth. And you guys are believing your father who is the devil. But I don't want you to do that. I love you and I care for you and I'm concerned about you. So don't keep on following this these lies. Instead, commit yourself to my word. We even talked about that a little bit last week. We even talked about it the week before in this whole monologue or conversation really that Jesus is having with the Israelites. He's constantly saying, obey my word, read my word, come into my word. I am the word, be a part of the word, be people of the word. And yet the people are continuing to ignore the fact that Jesus is even saying that. And they're trying to live by their own truths, their own rights, their own pride. And he says, that's what the devil is. That's what the devil did. Don't fall into that trap anymore. I'm bringing revelation to you so that that way you can see the falsities and see the false notions. And I'm declaring it so that that way you can live by the truth. Mm -hmm. So this brings me to the point of point number three. What is honoring character? What is Christ honoring character or what is godly honoring character? And I, I as I was reading this, I come across the fact that Jesus mentions exactly what godly character is when he mentions of what he does. Verse 49, I honor my father. You dishonor me. And by the fact that you dishonor me, you're not honoring God the Father. So an honoring characteristic is honoring God. Well, how do I honor him? Do I go and get an an, an idol of what I think God looks like and put it on the dashboard of my car or make a room inside of my house and put pictures up so that that way I can then worship him and this is my way of honoring God? Or do I make sure that my phone has a picture of a cloud in the sky and this is God and so therefore this is how I worship him? Is that
1: true honoring, truly honoring God? No. 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 Especially if you read the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no gods before me. No. Or false idols. Right. Both of those.
0: He specifically says you shall not create an idol that even looks like what you think the image of a god would be. So honoring our Father is not by doing these kinds of things, but honoring God the Father, creator of heaven, the earth, and the universe, comes in many other ways, many other forms, one of which is, in accordance with this verse 49, one of which is honoring other people. Jesus says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And you're showing that you're children of the devil by bringing dishonor on me or bringing dishonor on each other or bringing dishonor on other people. Therefore, we honor God by honoring each other. Loving each other, caring for each other, being in communion and having conversation and relationship with other, each other. Does that mean that we aren't going to disagree? Absolutely not. Of course we're going to disagree. I mean, we're a family of five people and we've had our disagreements. But does that mean that we've given up on each other? Or does that mean that we hold each other tight in those moments when we need each other most? Does that mean that we even hold each other tight in those moments when we're disagreeing? We we keep united in these facets of love and honor. Another thing I see Jesus doing is I see him operating in humility. Verse 54, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Jesus operates in humility, and yet he brings out the fact that the people or us as people are always seeking to glorify or deify ourselves, making ourselves divine. Jesus also gives us this blessing and curse. Uh, Specifically, the blessing is if you keep my word, you'll never taste death. He will never see death, verse 51. And the people even repeat it again in verse 52. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Jesus is saying, obedience to the word of God is a blessing and you will have long life. You will have eternal life if you keep my word. He says that he would be a liar. And I think you were coming to this point a little while ago, Xavier. He says, what would make me a liar is if I said I did not know God. Weren't you trying to bring that up to an extent? Yeah, Like he says, what would turn me into somebody who tells lies is if I said I don't know God. Mm -hmm. If I said I did not come from the Father. If I said I did not speak his word, that's what would turn me into a liar. So the very fact that I'm saying that I'm speaking God's word, I'm from the Father and that I know God that makes me a truth sayer. I mean, think about that. How does that how does that even work in our mind, especially in the context of what we were talking about just a little while ago of uh, we we come up with our own ideas of what truth is. And even when truth reveals itself to us, uh, we ignore that because we want to continue to go down this downward spiral or this uh, lifestyle of, of our own belief. And I'm going to be proved right, no matter the cost.
1: Because even the Jews had this, of all, all the large crowd that was with them were convinced that <laughs> which is funny, because then they ask, like, wait, are we not right saying you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Like, oh, wait, you, you're saying we're wrong? Like, you're not from Samaria and you have a demon? You're you're saying you're Jewish? You're a Nazarite? You're from Nazareth? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You must be a Samaritan with a demon inside of you, because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise. For them, they think they need to rationalize it and say that Jesus is someone they would hate as for him, he's saying he's from God. And with that, they are so deceived, proving his point yeah. to them, without them even realizing it, yet yeah, they just don't realize that what he has said has been true. And he's proving a point, even though they can't see it. Right. Because in their lie that has so many of them convinced of what he is, he has proved to them wrong, saying, I am from the Father. And yet, if I said I wasn't from the Father, then I'd be lying. Right. Then I would be a liar. Then I'd be lying, but you'd believe me. (laughs) Right. You would believe the lie over the truth. Exactly. Yeah.
2: We can take things into our own hands. Like Mm. when attackers come and attack at us, we can say, well, I'm going to show them. And then as Xavier was bringing out, you know, Christ Jesus himself goes, You know, he entrusts the Father. Everything goes back to the Father. Everything is, you're attacking me? Well, I know God. I know the Father. Do you know the Father? And so a quick self-check is, you know, when attackers come and attack at me personally, am I trying to defend myself immediately in Mm -hmm. order to get that person to like me? Or am I pointing them right back to the Father? Right. Am I being Christ-like in a situation of you know, Blair? You're worthless, Blair. You're never going anywhere, Blair. You know we don't we don't really see see um, any good or value in you. Um, so you're not a good leader. You're not even a good follower. And so that plays in the mind. It's like okay, if I'm not a good leader and I'm not a good follower, like. You know, in that moment, it's like, but I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. Like, how does that not make me? How does this not make me? How does that? What? You know, I mean, you you can just get so riled up. Mm. And in that moment, instead of taking all of that personally, I can really just freely give that to the Father. I can really freely give that to Christ Jesus and to God, my heavenly Father, and say, God, these people are coming at me. Mm. I don't know what to do. But in order to remain true and to true to your word and to true not to manipulate or to show how great I am, but to show how great you are yeah. because you are the I am. Yeah. And Lord, if I need to change something inside of me, prompt me quickly to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's those are those moments that I don't always do great in. I mean, those are things I'm still working on yeah
0: and it even comes to the other aspect of it on the positive side you you brought out the negative light but what about the positive side of people that go oh you're so great you're so talented you have all these talents blah 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 to the point where my egotism my pride my arrogance gets so large that then all of a sudden uh when i am brought into the truth when i've gone deviated from the truth my response is something like, "Don't you know who I am? Sure. Don't you know what I've done?" Right. And then all of a sudden, I fall on my merit as if it's God, and that's not what it is at all.
1: Yeah, very good, Blair. That's and you're exactly right. Even with this point, like we can have our moments of greatness. The greatness of God in this, in doing these things, is we can have our moments of spouting off how good we are, and don't you know who I am? And our ego. Or we can have our you whitewashed walls from Paul (laughs) talking to those other uh, Pharisees saying stuff that him saying stuff and believing in Christ, yet they'd not believe and they're being hypocritical over that. And the greatness of God is that when we have those moments, we can still be forgiven if we see our wrong in doing that. And if we acknowledge that we were wrong in saying those things, whether it was we had a spout of anger and using Christ to justify ourselves in a correct context, but not the right way. Right. Or trying to justify ourselves by ourselves with our huge ego and big head Hmm. and loud mouth. (laughs) God will still forgive us in both of those scenarios.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And even in the middle of the road.
1: Yeah. If you feel like what you have done is wrong or... You did it the wrong way. He will still, God will still love you and he'll pick you up. And he said, I'll do it differently next time. Mm. Learn from your mistakes and keep going. Absolutely. Just hand over your burdens to me and you're, we'll be fine. And and we move forward. And we just move forward. Sure. Absolutely. And he
0: doesn't look at our past. The things that he's forgiven us
1: of. Is gone. Gone. As far as the East is from the West. You can't see it anymore. Yeah, it's gone. exactly. It may bother us still, like if we have committed sins or something in the past, and it just still bothers us yeah. in our heart. But God will, can be like, "I've already forgiven you of that. So get past it. Yeah, keep yeah. moving forward."
0: Well, and then people, as Blair was bringing up, people love to hold things against us, like yeah, in this regard of even what you're saying. In the past is in the past. To me. But that doesn't mean my brother, my neighbor, my coworker is always going to allow it to be in the past for them. Sometimes they're going to say, oh, but you remember when? Oh, well, you did this. Oh, well, this is what happened. And they bring up these points in order to try and tear us down. And that's when we find our identity back in, as Blair was saying, back in Christ instead of in these scenarios or the personhood of merit that I think I needed to uh, be in that moment. Uh, verse 56, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. That shows me uh, in these characteristics, these honoring characteristics of God, uh, that Jesus is going, that Abraham looked forward to the day that Jesus would walk on the earth. And it makes me self-reflect or ask myself, do I appreciate the fact that Jesus did come, lives today, and will return at any time? Do Do I have an understanding of what that really means? Or do I allow that to dictate certain aspects of my life? One being, I'm never going to do anything because Jesus could come back at any time. So therefore, I'm just going to sit around and wait for his return. Is that the right response? No. Uh, Or my other response could be, well, Jesus says he's coming back, but he said that for over 2,000 years. And I heard it by a preacher before when I was younger. My grandparents said it. My parents said it. I've heard other people say it. Uh, Is Jesus really ever going to return? Uh, And so I'm just going to live my life for however I want to live my life. Is that the right way to live? No. If I'm living for Jesus as if he really lived on this earth, and he did, we have history to prove it. If I know that he's alive today, and I know it because I commune with him in conversation every single day. And if I believe that he is truly coming back again for me as his son, because he promised me he would how does that change or how does that affect my life? Do I live in accordance with the understanding that Jesus lived, lives today, and is going to return for his people and end this earth as we know it? In verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. How can that two word sentence, I am, create such violence Out of the people whom Jesus is speaking with in this moment, if it's a truthful statement. Maybe you don't understand what Jesus is even saying here. When he says
1: the words, I am, what is he saying? Well, he's referring back to the part whenever Abraham was called out of wherever he was to go to Egypt. And the burning bush told him. No, that's Moses. That's Moses? Yeah. Well, I'm still thinking of Moses. Sorry, wrong people. No worries. I get them confused. <laughs> but he told Moses, I am sent me. I am sent you. That's what you're supposed to tell the, the Israelites. Israelites whenever you see them. I am sent me. And I'm sure he even called himself I am before that. Uh huh. And so within that, it welled up in anger inside of them. How, how dare this guy say that he is who God has said he is multiple times before? Right. Whenever they don't realize in that moment, it could have been Jesus there. The burning bush. The bu- Jesus was in the burning bush. Jesus was talking to Abraham during these times. He was looking forward to the day whenever Christ would return, uh, return to the earth and come to the earth and so within that, they felt like he was being heretical when in actual he was telling the truth. But they couldn't look past their own selves and what they believed to be true and thought he was being so heretical that they needed to stone him alive.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, so we have this comparison of what people had within their society of that day. And the Jews believed they worship the one true God. The Greeks, they believed, worshipped God-men. And when there was a comparison of this, and of course they're under Roman authority at this point, so they've heard the stories of the Iliad. They've heard Homer's stories told. Uh, they they These men and women, they know uh, of the philosophy that has been ex- uh, spoken throughout the Greek colonnades And they've heard people uh, make multiple gods, polytheistic gods. And they've said, they're these gods, but they're also God and man. And the Israelites are like, whoa, this is Greek. This isn't what Israelites believe. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I am from God. And Abraham knew me. I knew him. And before time began, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus in that moment is stating, I am in flesh right now but I'm the one that gave Moses that word at the burning bush. I'm the one that spoke to Abraham and told him to come out of the city of Nahor and go to a land that I would show him. And Jesus is bringing forth a specific uh, conversation with the people of, I am God. And this is a conversation that so many people forget happened in the Bible. And it is, they, and they'll say, well, Jesus never really said that he was God it's right here. Verse 58, Jesus is giving himself an attribute with God. He says, I am, I am God, I am. And uh, and so that's what the big deal is here. That's what's going on. And that's a part of Jesus's character of a truth sayer. I am, I'm giving you the truth in this moment. And I want you to believe it. I want you to be obedient to my word and I want you to believe it. So what are ways that I can honor God? This isn't a complete list, but these are some things of what we've talked about today. And it's just kind of a recap uh, for what Jesus is saying. First, honor God. When do I honor God? I honor him at all times. There's not a time that I shut off my honoring God. I don't get to go get drunk and honor God. I don't get to go get stoned and honor God, stoned as in smoking a joint. doing drugs in that case not in the stoning like what we're talking about at the end here verse 59 (laughs) i don't cheat on my taxes in order to honor god so if i honor him at all times that means in everything i say and everything i do i honor him and everywhere my feet step i honor him next i operate in humility I squelch my prideful desires. And yes, this means that I won't always be right or correct. That's a real hard thing for us sometimes because we always want to win the fight. We always want to win the the argument. We always want to prove ourselves correct. But if I'm a person who operates in humility as Jesus did, that means I don't always have to speak up and prove my worth. Sometimes it may even mean that I have to lay down my rights as a sacrifice for others. That's a real difficult one for us these days, isn't it? With midst the COVID-19 pandemic, amidst the I'm encapsulated in, in my house and I can't ever get out because this COVID-19 is everywhere and it's doing nothing but growing by leaps and bounds. And I have to wear a mask. What are you telling me? I can't wear a mask. That's ridiculous. Well, why don't you put down your rights? and help protect others. Sometimes we have to sacrifice our rights and be humble as Jesus was humble. Another thing is is to keep the word of Christ, keep the word of God. I don't give in to sinful temptation, but instead I operate in self-control. I love my neighbors, even the ones who hate me. I still love them. I have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm patient. If I'm keeping the word of Christ, I'm a patient person. And then something that I noticed that Jesus is talking about, he says that he knows God. That means he's having a conversation with God. That means they're constantly talking, which means he prays, which means, in other words, they have conversations. Prayer is not a specific place, a specific time, a specific stance, or a specific ritual. Prayer is, is something that I can do in my home, at work, in my bedroom, in my bath, in my car, on a walk. I don't need anything to be present or anyone to be present. I can have complete communion between myself and God because of the price that Jesus paid for me. And then lastly, I look for the day of Christ's return. This doesn't prevent me from working, yet it doesn't mean I expect anything tomorrow because except for Christ's return. Is there anything else you have to add on these thoughts of ways that we can honor God with
1: our lives? One of the greatest ways, I mean, even Christ has said it to honor him and God, because they were asked, what are the greatest? Com- people have asked him, what are the greatest commandments? He said, honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And, But he said the greatest of these is love. Hmm. And the way we can honor God is not only loving him, but loving others. And I'm not talking about the love that our society or culture has brought into light of lust or male and female, male, male, female and female. Oh, they love each other. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real love because God is love. And in that love, we are willing to do anything for anybody we if we love each other, we would be willing to give up anything and go help out our neighbor, yeah our friends, our enemy, because that's what God has done is he's loved he loved the world so much he gave up his son, so if we truly love the world like Christ wants us to do, then we would give up anything. For his cause. Yeah. Our martyrs in the Christian faith. That have died for what they believed in. Mm. Because they loved. The God so much. And they loved the people they were trying to reach so much. That they were willing to die. As long as it would spread the gospel. To to others. Yeah, And if we are willing to have that love. And not. Basic. Not an okay. agape love. But a true love for our. Mankind, all 8 billion people of us. Yeah. Then that's one way or one of the greatest ways we can honor God. Definitely. Is in love.
0: Father, give me the ability, character, strength, and vision to be called a child that honors you. May I operate in humility, but power the power of Christ. Holy Spirit, help me keep the word of God May your word be hidden in my heart, constantly on my mind and on my tongue at all times. As I daily prepare myself, may my family and those around me also be in expectation of your imminent return. Mallory, will you pray?
3: Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day. And that everybody will stay safe and keep their masks on and use hand sanitizer. And that we all have a great day today. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.